It's no accident that when we attend a worldwide gathering of biblically orthodox Anglicans, we're not going to New York City or to London. We're going to Kigali, Rwanda. That's where we go. That's the hub. Welcome to the Stand Firm Podcast. I'm Nick Lannon of Grace Anglican Church in Louisville, Kentucky, and I am here with J.D. Koch of St. Luke's Anglican Church on Hilton Head Island, South Carolina. Matt Kennedy is in the throes of Holy Week and will not be able to join us today. How are you doing, J.D.? I'm doing well, Nick. Thanks. Yeah, as people listen to this episode, it'll probably be Good Friday. We usually post on Friday mornings. How's Holy Week shaping up for you on Hilton Head? So so far so good. I for some reason decided to do a seven thirty um, a.m. service every morning during Holy Week, uh, despite the fact that I don't have any other person who could do the service for me. So it's been I don't know. It's been a, an additional um, experience for me. This it's been great. It's been great. It's just um, I don't know. Maybe you should delete that. It sounds like I'm complaining. I'm not. Uh, is it an but additional it's been a lot. communion service? Is there a sermon? Is yeah, it yeah. okay? Everything. There's a sermon. I'm doing a shorter one though. So I'm, as I said before, there's somewhat more contemplative, um, speculative. Uh, speculative yeah, yeah. Well, it's been interesting. I've been talking about. I opened it up with the um, sort of a long meditation on the theology of the cross. Like so, by the end of it, it'll be 50 minutes long, but it'll be five, 10 minute ish reflection. So well, it's been fun. Been been good. We have a. a you know, Monday, Thursday, and then a night watch, um, actually all through the night, which is kind of cool. Um, they've been doing that for years. And then we yeah. have a three hour Good Friday service, seven last words with seven different preachers, which is great. Uh, right. Reverend Alden Hathaway is coming, sort of our um, big name. Um, yeah, it's been great to have him and a bunch of other people from around the area. So we're excited. Do you do anything on Saturday? I know that at Good Shepherd, they do a huge vigil. Is that something that you do at St. Luke's? No, we do a very um, holy Easter egg hunt okay. at 10 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> well, we haven't found like a scary trauma-inducing Easter bunny costume yet, but I'm, um, <laughs> I hold out hope. <laughs> hold out you can hope. always have one commissioned. Yeah, I'm looking for that. If any, if any, if our listener is a uh, puppeteer or a costume designer, <laughs> seamstress, uh, yeah. <laughs> it seems likely. It seems more likely than not that one of our listeners is a puppeteer. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing, perhaps, would make you happier than that. That that seems like the, the the zenith of your hopes for this podcast is to meet a Christian puppeteer. <laughs> Maybe it's maybe it's subconsciously the whole reason we started. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Anyway, well, yeah. we're still we're still doing the relatively Spartan Good Friday service and Easter Sunday. I think next year we will expand into at least Monday Thursday and probably probably not a full full blown vigil like they do in. Binghamton, but some sort of observance of the Holy Saturday service. Mm. But this year, it's actually not. I mean, it's it's an extra service on Friday, but it's not a. You know, some clergy make much of their exhaustion that that's not going to be a problem for me. Yeah, I think that sounds good. I mean, I think it's you know, if you have people interested, um, and you can you know you can do it. I think it's the the more more things you can yeah. add into this week without exhausting people is. Um, I think it's a 
meaningful and 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 warranted. So as I, as I said this morning in our little homily, the um, you know, this is the one week that resets all the other fifty. 51 the rest of the year uh, week so it's you might as well take a deep breath are you pro or anti foot washing anti anti because it's not it was not awkward it was not the least bit awkward or then um, yeah uh, then at all so in order to actually recreate what it'd be i was thinking about this like we had the bishop with us last sunday the in order to recreate something like the foot washing it would have to be like he would be my deacon as i was like doing the eucharist or something something like that and and i would be like no no i should be your deacon and he's like right. no i'm you know i'm the serve but, but it would be something that would be meaningful because of the position but not the action because right. they would got their feet washed all the all time all the time yeah. you know It'd be like yeah it's like every time they walk into a house they have someone to help wash your feet because your feet get dirty and so the the sort of fraught tension surrounding it and all the kind of awkwardness and people people think that that's like a like a good part of it, you know, like, well, it's supposed to be awkward because it's, um, you know, it's a reversal of roles and all this stuff. It's like, well, that's not, that, that is somewhat awkward, but the awkwardness is that most people don't go around touching people's other people's feet. Like, I mean, I hardly touch my own feet. (laughs) And the awkwardness is only part of it. I mean, there's, there's a whole sort of performative self-righteous, like Instagrammable, look what I'm, I'm, I'm washing my congregants feet here. Like, look how holy I'm being. That's really turning the whole thing on its head. Yeah. I don't, I didn't, I never liked it. And I finally did enough reading and research to realize that I don't have to like it. And so now I, now I don't, um, <laughs> I mean, I don't, I'm not going to, Yeah, I'm not going to stop someone from doing it. I don't think it's like a, you know, I don't think it's, you know, some unchurch someone because of it or whatever, but now given the opportunity to not do it, I, we won't. So fair enough. Well, as soon as our Holy weeks are over, I'm not sure exactly when you're leaving, but we, um, the three of us, Matt included are jumping on airplanes and jetting off to Africa for GAFCON in Kigali, Rwanda. It's starting to get real. My, Universal travel power adapter arrived in the mail yesterday, so I can now finally plug things in no matter where I am in the world. Uh, But the conference just released the full list of speakers, sessions, and breakouts earlier this week. Um, We've talked a little bit about sort of hopes and dreams for what might come of this conference. Um, What are you looking forward to the most? Well, I think I'm looking forward to the networking and kind of just seeing people from all over the world. And that's really kind of, um, I think one of the main reasons I wanted to go was to see these people, some of whom I only know by name, some of whom I've met over the course of my life. uh, And that, you know, it really is going to be a collection of not just people from all over the country and all over the world, but but leaders in some capacity, lay and ordained um, from literally every every corner of the earth. And so I'm... um, I don't know. I'm excited. I'm, I'm honored to be a part of it from our diocese, but I'm, um, you know, I'm not expecting to have a, a very substantial role no. to play other than, um, you know, just kind of uh, meeting people and and being hopefully an encouragement and being encouraged by the face of global Orthodox Anglicanism. Yeah, I agree that the, the most exciting thing to me, like you said, is to see just what kind of, worldwide church the anglican church really is that certainly you know anglicanism means of england but that is true in name only nowadays anglicanism is much more 
vibrant elsewhere in the world than it is in England or really anywhere in the West. It's no accident that when we attend a worldwide gathering of biblically Orthodox Anglicans, we're not going to New York City or to London. We're going to Kigali, Rwanda. <laughs> That's where yeah. we go. That's the hub of Anglicans who want to submit themselves to the scriptures. And I just can't, I'm like you, I'm honored to be um, invited as a delegate from the Diocese of Christ Our Hope. I'm excited to meet anyone I can meet um, and just to be encouraged that it can seem, having come out of the Episcopal Church, that we are some put-upon minority. And while certainly you know, Anglicanism is not some juggernaut, it's the third largest, largest communion in the world, but it is so, it's going to be and is so encouraging to already know and then to see over these next few weeks, just the sheer volume of faithfulness worldwide yeah. and gospel proclamation and encouragement. I'm just really looking forward to it. Yeah. I mean, it's probably not a day that goes by that I don't think fondly of the uh, friends, you know, bishop and clergy in particular around the world that I've um, gotten to know over the past uh, 20 or so years, you know, in places like Singapore and Istanbul and Kenya, I'm thinking most notably in the moment, but, you know, and just having met and forged these friendships over a relatively short amount of time, I'm not, I won't be surprised if over a period of five days, you know, similar relationships with people that I haven't even met yet can be forged and hopefully, you know, possible mission partnerships, possible, um, you know, ministry initiatives that we can do together. I mean, it's really it's really going to be an exciting time. I mean, I just found, you just showed me where the speakers are. I mean, this, it, it looks in a sense like on the um, uh, Tuesday, this uh, oh, this plenary at 11, it's going to be sort of the history of mm-hmm. GAFCON, which, you know, with Bishop Glenn Davies, Stephen Knoll, and Keith Sinclair, I mean, that's going to be laying out sort of the foundation, I think. And they're, they're all being live streamed and one assumes recorded um, for posterity that this will be a tool uh, utilized, you know, as we continue to grow both ACNA and then the GAFCON movement, not just uh, in the global South, but in, um, in uh, now in England, now in Canada, that, uh, you know, sort of a, an apologetic for why we're here, you know, particularly of interest, I think is this last one, Lambeth 98 to the present, because mm. um, that really is the, that really was the um, turning point. You know, that was the, the, we've talked about it before the, the Lambeth conference when the, actual um, face of Anglicanism, the modern face of Anglicanism, which was decidedly not um, European, you know, white European, was much more, um, well, global, came to the fore and overwhelmingly uh, the bishops of the world, Anglican bishops of the world, passed a robust and biblical defense of what we would call, um, well, just biblical Christianity uh, with respect to human sexuality, which was then immediately thwarted and thrown over and, you know, five years later in, in the Episcopal Church. And here we are, you know, and I think that's what's going to be encouraging, as you said before, is that we are in a minority, an increasing minority uh, in the West, but the West is an increasing, you know, an increasing minority in the world. And so it's, you know, um, I mean, you know, numerically speaking, and it's encouraging to see these other Christian leaders, um, bishops and laity um, alike and clergy who are in countries that are not, um, you know, were never part of Christendom in the same way that um, you could argue Europe and and certainly America was, um, and see them 
fighting for and and expecting the gospel to transform hearts and lives and to bring people out of their you know worship of false gods into the worship of God rightly and then by extension have their their towns and cities and and nations transformed I mean that's the expectant hope I mean I wish Matt were here he could he could try to throw cold water on that uh, <laughs> uh, that expected <laughs> but nevertheless that's what's encouraging to me. You know, I love these people who are going into um, very unchristian sort of environments and expecting the Holy Spirit to, through what Paul says, the foolishness of what we preach, you know, the, the word of the cross to bring people to saving faith and then watch the world transformed. And so I'm I'm expecting to to be encouraged and then to return with an even more audacious sense of um, joy and positive uh, expectation for the fate and the state of global Christianity, despite the fact that what we see on the ground in many parts of our um, sort of American context is um, sort of discouraging. You know, I think to put it lightly, you could say the CMT Music Awards and the Dylan Mulvaney's of the world and the various um, reasons for despair are legion. And yet I am expecting and in fact, well, I'm expecting to return um, more energetic, more uh, encouraged and and even better equipped for the for the work and the task ahead. Well, you can see just in the in the names of the plenary sessions and of the worship services why these Christian leaders elsewhere in the world would have the boldness and courage to interact with the world unlike you know you you mentioned the country music awards and bud light sponsorships etc i mean the first service is called the sufficiency and preeminence of christ the second service is <laughs> rooted right. and grounded in christ the third service is living and dwelling in the word of god <laughs> placing confidence yeah. in god's word faithfully declaring the gospel to the world. These are job descriptions that have been cast aside in the West. As you said, I, I, I would I would say you used the word thrown over, I think, for Lambeth 98. I think that um, the world didn't throw it over. The West and the Episcopal Church tried to ignore it. Mm -hmm. And these service names are what could have provided the courage to actually continue that work. They weren't there. There was no sufficiency and preeminence of Christ. There was no roots and grounding in Christ. There was no service uh, living and dwelling in the word of God. And so, of course, you have Dylan Mulvaney. Of course, you have Sam Smith. Of course, you have all the things. And it's going to be, I think that this can be a super spreader event in the mm. same way that the Sturgis motorcycle rally was supposed to be, but wasn't. We're going to go and we're going to catch, not that we don't have it already, but sort of a fire and um, all come home to our, wherever we are in the world, sort of reinfected, re-energized, ready to tell the world the reason for the hope we have within us. Amen. Yeah, I, I feel like it's going to be uh, maybe larger, smaller, to some degree similar to how I felt when I left um, the Episcopal Church and came into the ACNA, particularly in this diocese, because this diocese, as our listener knows, was under threat of lawsuit, was under lawsuit for um, 10 years, under threat of losing our property. And that is very clarifying. You know, that's uh, that's not a, a you know, life-threatening lawsuit. He wasn't afraid, and like some of these bishops and some of these clergy traveling to Gapcon are actually in 
dire situations where they're serving. Uh, nevertheless, it was it was quite something. You know, you had money and, and history and all the things tied up into a livelihood, questions of this, this nature. And over 10 years, that was so clarifying and so um, galvanizing that when I arrived, it was like, it was, you know, despite the existence of the lawsuit, it was an incredibly exciting, profound place to land because, you know, when you've counted this cost um, and you've sort of faced the the what if worse situation and you have decided that uh, your fidelity to Christ and the authority of scripture and, you know, threat of that, that, that was more important than whatever sort of cultural opprobrium or possible financial setbacks may occur. Well, there's a, there's a, the Lord honors that he honors that, um, you know, by bestowing his blessings, blessings of, you know, courage and, and strength and love, you know, hope and joy. And, and I saw that. And I think, um, you know, I, I, I imagine like anyone that's making their way all the way over there to this, I'm sure there's some exceptions, but the majority have got to be looking for and expecting to sort of have a similar situation, similar experience yeah, as we're yeah. expecting. You know, I think I'm excited to see Ashley. I just saw Ashley yeah. Knoll is going to be there giving his talk on Cranmer and his mm-hmm. renewing his heart to love. And, um, <laughs> You know, I'm I'm a little nervous. I haven't traveled overseas since well before COVID now, so I'm going to have to get my um, international travel legs back. Uh, yeah, I'm but... super I'm super nervous, y'all. Our listener can uh, keep us and perhaps <laughs> me especially in their prayers. I'm a, I'm a I'm kind of an anxious traveler in general. I'm I'm about 25 percent sure that I'm going to show up at the airport in Chicago, and they're going to say, you know, you don't have any of the paperwork you need. Who are you? Where do you think you're going, son? You need to go home. <laughs> so uh, I would uh, be happy to get any uh, prayer support that I could get. It is worth underlining, I think, the the thing that you alluded to earlier. When I talked about the rally at which we would get reinfected, I really did mean a sort of mutual encouragement. It's very easy, I think, for us non-persecuted Westerners to look at potentially persecuted African Anglicans and think that they're like the unfallen man. You know, they're perfectly holy and their prayer life is wonderful and all their prayers are so eloquent and they they speak directly to God in a way that we don't. And I think that um, there's a sense in which it's healthy and good to remember that not because of who we are, but they're going to be encouraged to see us there just as we're encouraged to see them there and the same is true of asia and south america and europe and wherever we are we are encouraging each other just by the fact of our existence yeah for sure i mean that's you know it's like i say just around my own congregation every time i see uh, you know, well, you don't come to church just for yourself. You know, you come to church for that person sitting next to you to see that it was worth it for them to get out of bed too. You know, or if it was worth it for that mother with the four kids. You know, it was worth it with the the guy with the walker. It was worth it with the people who just had other things to do to corporately come together and show their um, their common love for the Lord. And so this is this is um, going to be an amazing event. Um, and I'm I you know, like you said, I think I'm hoping. That when we come, you know, we're coming further distance this point, you know, it's like they, we have a lot of people come visit us from from parts of Africa and Asia. Uh, but this will be the first time that I get to, you know, repay the favor, as it were, because I'm always incredibly encouraged by 
you know, when we have new wineskins in particular and the, um, you know, bishops from all over various African countries, or last time we had a good friend, Jonathan Wong from Singapore come um, and stay with us a couple of years ago. And it was just um, such a wonderful reminder that uh, despite um, the challenges that we face in this particular vineyard that we have been called to, to serve, um, the Lord is is active and mighty in, in amazing ways all over the world. And we've been called in this particular time and space to a somewhat rocky soil, um, somewhat harsh terrain. Uh, but that's that's by his calling. And, you know, we can nevertheless be comforted by the places where, you know, the harvest is plentiful uh, in a way that it, it, it will be here again. But we're in a sowing season. You know, we're, we're in a being a pruning season as opposed to a, to a sort of, you know, massive harvest. I mean, that's just a that's just a, a statistical reality. But that's OK. Because the you know the the rocks will cry out. I mean, the mm-hmm. Lord is not His gates of hell will not prevail. And so, yeah, I am a little nervous too. I'm a little somewhat anxious when I go out of Europe, out of the U.S. Uh, the only other time I've been, I went to Istanbul for a while, but then also went, I remember going to uh, Romania for a uh, synod meeting, and uh, I had I touched my passport pocket like instinctively like every seven seconds (laughs) like for the first two days and then finally my the guy was with my uh the the training incumbent they called him uh patrick curran was like you have to stop doing this because like every (laughs) every 30 seconds i would have you're showing all the thieves where your passport is (laughs) that's right that's right no, but it's um yeah, I can't wait to see all who's there. I guess I'll I'll probably be surprised, um, you know, for, for some of the people that you know that I know or that we've met. I mean, having gone, as you well know, Trinity and then yeah. um, both of us, you know, people coming in and out of that for years. Um it was a little bit like going to the new wineskins conference. It was like a Trinity reunion. Um so, you know, I think there's gonna be a lot of not just Trinity connections, but certainly A C and A. And then I'm looking forward to making the A what is it, A N the ANIE, the uh, Anglican Network in Europe. Oh, yeah. um, that's what I'm looking forward to meeting those guys, you know, meeting Calvin Robinson in person, you know, uh, David Old finally in person, you know, yeah. I've seen him on this text chain and this um, website forever, but now I get to uh, actually see him. And, you know, I'm really excited. I'm just hoping that I uh, have the wherewithal to take enough pictures to document the the trip because I um, was remarking to Liza, there's a couple of times in my life where I've had the um, constellation of people that were perfect right there at the time. And I just, for whatever reason, forgot to get a picture. And I was, Ashley Noel was in one of them, actually. Oh. I had a picture in Berlin when I finished my doctorate. It was me, Ashley, uh, Noka Schlinska, my um, doctor father. And it was um, Professor Vindenborg, who's like a giant in church history in, in Germany. And we were all sitting there right after the um, they had said, you know, heads of uh, congratulations, Dr. Koch. And I don't have a picture of that. Although, mm-hmm. interestingly enough, I can remember it so vividly. So I don't know. Maybe that's an argument against that's um, funny, yeah. digitizing everything. Well, there, yeah. at, at, yeah, the, very, know, at Nick, the very least, there will be a conference photo, which they have laid out half an hour for, which is funny because they've laid out 45 minutes for the bishop's photo, <laughs> getting everybody in a row, <laughs> which is funny. I wondered, I I don't even know if this is worth asking, but it's I th- it probably is at least worth mentioning because it certainly is something that I've heard rumors about what do you make and we should say clearly that neither of us have particular insider information or really any insider information at all but certainly there's scuttlebutt about potentially the start of some kind of new communion some new structure that does not have canterbury as the hub 
Um, do you think that's any kind of reasonable? Do you think that's something we ought to be hoping for? Is that something that we just need to leave up to the Lord and and follow on wherever he leads us? What are you thinking in, in those terms? Well, I think I think barring some sort of radical turn of repentance from the Church of England and possibly even the Episcopal Church, that it's an inevitability at some point. Uh, now, I don't know, as we've talked about before, things do move rather slowly in Anglican world, although, you know, the speed of all sorts of things have, has been picking up recently with all, all the, um, you know, so I, you know, I guess it's a possibility that it could happen. As you, as but I you what, love to say, you go bankrupt slowly and then all at once. I do love to say that. I do love to say that. I do. <laughs> and I could see I the Anglican very... communion going bankrupt slowly. And at some point it's going to happen all at once. Well, sure. No, I mean, there's definitely demographics. Demographic is, you know, you can't, no matter how much money you have, you can't reverse you know, the demographic decline in some of these churches. I mean, it's just, it's a, it's a, you know, in, unless you just, well, I mean, I guess in some industries they could use robots, but I don't see, I don't see that <laughs> taking place. In, uh, in Robot churches. congregants. Um, now, robot preachers might be a step up, in fact, for compared to what is often yeah. uh, reported to be "quote unquote" preaching. But so, yeah, I think you know I've been reading a little bit about it, listening to blogs here and there. I think one of the best things that's happening is that the um, the wide there was a widening. And if Matt were here, he could probably speak to this better. But there was a widening of the gap between what was called GAFCON and the Global South. These are two separate organizations. Right. There is a lot of overlap, but there was. Um, essentially to, and I know this from firsthand because I know a guy that's involved in the Global South strategy is it was a little bit like the um, communion partner strategy that they used to have in the Episcopal Church, that they were going to kind of stay in and fight from within and transform it from within. So that was roughly the Global South, I think we've talked about this before. At any rate, what's good about what's taking place in the, with respect to the Church of England is that however... However, that divide had been widening. It seems to be coming back together because it seems that that because the relationship with Canterbury is is tenuous at best um, from both Global South and Gafcon uh, primates, that whatever conversations they're having now is a lot more. It, well, there, there's a lot more possibility of there being a uniting of those two. Is it, that's my understanding. Than there was perhaps before the Church of England, you know, Canterbury in particular, just sort of um, explicitly said, "I wish we could, but I won't." You know, bless gay unions, but um, but we're going to. So we'll see. I mean, I I don't really know a lot about. I mean, part of the reason I'm kind of interested to go and in, in addition is just to meet some of the people who are having these conversations. Yeah. I mean, I'm on the Trinity board, so obviously we have Ben Kawashi, who I think is the Ben Kawashi and. Uh, Archbishop Foley are both um, involved with with GAFCON and Global South to a certain degree. Um, I'm not exactly sure how. Well, Foley's but, um, the head of GAFCON and is, I think, on he's the like advisory the treasurer. board of right. the Global South. Yeah. Well, at any rate, it'll be it'll be interesting to be a part of at least you know the the place where these conversations are being had. I mean, I imagine like any conference, the actual work yeah, will be totally. being done. You know, hang out behind in, the scenes. Hang out in stairwells and look for the tables that's at right. dinner. That's right. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, that's kind of cool. I mean, it's. I remember. I mean, I actually got the um, invitation to be a part of our diocesan delegation a little bit by accident because I was watching the like five thirty in the morning. I was watching the Lambeth, the end of Lambeth, because I was kind of interested to see if there would be bishops that were if they would show the bishops sitting down or not. Mm -hmm. But I was struck by it so profoundly because it was so beautiful. And so meaningful and yet so cold and empty that I said something is going to 
this this GAFCON is going to be cool. Like something's going to happen, or at least it's going to be one for the ages, right? And so I take emailed Bishop Chip at like five thirty in the morning on Sunday, and I said, you know, I don't know how this works, but I want to, if I'll get to Gaf, I'll get to Kigali. Let me represent the diocese somehow. And he wrote back said, I'm not sure how it works either. I'll um I'll let you, but you can go. And it turns out there was some sort of some sort of procedure that that I sort of superseded or whatever because um you know we but at any rate he was great he said well i already told you you could go so you can come on with us but i'm excited i'm really i mean i'm nervous about the travel but once we get there i think it's going to be um well i trust it's going to be um something that'll most likely be life-changing and certainly if only because of the people that we'll meet and the stories that we'll have coming back well and the spirits i had a very similar feeling as you had watching that conference Although just a few days ago, I saw a photograph shared on Instagram of a um, service happening in St. John, the Divine Cathedral in New York of um, the clergy renewing their vows. And so, you know, enormous, beautiful church with light filtering in just right. And you had this big line of clergy and it's beautiful in a way. And I just couldn't help but thinking, what do these clergy believe, if anything? And some of them certainly do, of course, but many of them believe almost nothing. And if they believe much of anything, it's craziness. And um, I know, I know that what's going to happen in Rwanda will be less idyllic simply because I will be there and I will be, you know, as you, as you also like to say, I have a face for radio, so I'll be ruining any of the photographs that I'll be in. You got um, all my, you got all my witticisms. <laughs> but the spirit, <laughs> the spirit will be filling those places. Whether it's a conference room, it may not be St. John the Divine Cathedral in New York, but it will be full of the Holy Spirit. And that that will be an exciting thing to participate in. Amen. Amen. Yeah, I think it's going to be great. I'm glad Aunt Matt and Ann got uh, tickets over there, and I'm um, looking forward to hanging out with you and um, Laza. You know, unless something happens dramatically with the kids, we're, we're, we're all signed up, ready to go. My mom's coming in, and I've got to babysitters and the church is on, on high alert so right. meals and <laughs> phone numbers and everyone is very aware that I'm gone. But um, yeah, we're getting, um, we're excited. We just got to get through, you know, get through Easter. I mean, that's mm-hmm. not a, but, but for us, it's mainly, um, you know, at this point, it's just, it's just, it's walk through it and, and just be edified and, and, you know, renewed once again by, season and it's you know i heard matt and ann say on their podcast the other day like it is a little bit of a shift because i haven't as an ordained clergy then haven't ever had a situation where the week after easter has been anything other than kind of a giant um you know well almost a vacation you know just such a such a such a time of downshifting and Mm -hmm. you know we just came through the great ordeal and uh well it's very common in fact for clergy to get sick right after easter just because they've psychologically and subconsciously known that they can't get sick during Holy week. So all of their pent up stuff gets released and they get sick after Easter. It's happened to me where I've lost my voice like Easter evening several times. I'm excited. This will be the, this will be the first, you know, the full, not the full calendar year, but it will be the full liturgical year. Uh, Well, once we get to Pentecost, once we get to ordinary time, will have been a full, full liturgical year at um, St. Luke's and grateful for um, sort of all of the various experiences and and time here. And, you know, it seemed like 
when we decided to go to GAFCON, it was, you know, years away. And then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. yeah. here we are. Like we're right. And it's um but yeah, I think I'm grateful for the opportunity. I'm grateful for the um for the reality of it. You know, I think the older I get, the longer we're serving, the more meaningful these relationships uh, become. And I'm grateful for the Lord's providence to have knit some of these back when we were even in seminary, you know, not knowing really what the future held. But now you can look back and say, you know, um, he has not only carried us this far, but he has, uh, you know, shown fruit and and born fruit and and shaped us in ways that had brought us to a place where we'd you know, we would find more common cause with people halfway around the world than perhaps we would even in our own um, cities and with with respect to the various denominations. But, you know, I think that to the extent that the ACNA is a, well, not to the extent, the ACNA is the fruit of GAFCON. You know, the Jerusalem Declaration yeah. is a very central document to our identity. And as we say often on this show, the more we can simply publish um, the history of the ACNA, the need for it, its convictions, and the courage that underlies it, not just in America, but around the world, well, then I, I do believe the Lord will bless that. You know, it may not be a, you know, meteoric growth overnight or something, but I think that he will continue to give people the strength and courage, the anchor that is promised in his son um, to hold them fast in the middle of, an, of, a, of a world in, in many ways that I think is really unbelievable. I mean, Carl Truman was right in his book, like could be that, that I mean, sci-fi writers and like, um, I don't know, I mean, perverse fiction writers, I guess, could have imagined the world we live in now 30 years ago. But um, but it's hard to believe sometimes that some of the things, the challenges that we're we're called to um, to face, or some of the um, the arguments that we're called to believe, um, and yet you know he has not only held his church fast for uh, for millennia, but he's continuing to hold us fast. I believe that those who come back from this, you know, like you said, will be part of helping to continue to seed the um, the growth and the. Um, development of the AC of the various sort of Western Anglican jurisdictions and provinces that are under um, somewhat duress in terms of you know numerically and culturally, because we will be once again reunited with the fact that the global witness to the Lord is alive and well and courageous and ready to keep preaching, um, uh, you know, preaching the gospel around the world. Yeah. Well, we will almost certainly not have an episode next week. We will be in various uh, airports and train stations traveling to Rwanda. We are going going to try to do one. We're going to try to do one the following week from Rwanda. We'll see what we can get done. Um, Next time I see you, I think we'll be in a couple in not that long in an airport in Brussels. I'm very much looking forward to seeing you guys there. Um, We do thank you. Our man in Belgium. Our man in Belgium. Yeah. Thank you to our listener for listening to Stand Firm this week. If you want to keep the conversation going with us, please be in touch. Rate and review the podcast on iTunes. Send us an email at mailbag at standfirminfaith.com or join the Anglicans for the Gospel Facebook group. Thanks, JD. We will um, hope to get Matt back soon. And I hope that all you listening have a wonderful and blessed Holy Week. Um, I'm Nick Lannon, and Lord willing, we'll be back probably in two weeks. Until then, by the grace of God and Jesus Christ, we'll be standing firm. 